Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have with me Steve Gamblin of Motivational Firewood. Um, Steve, for my guests that don't know you, tell us a little bit about your background. And when we were talking beforehand, you mentioned something about how you dared God with striking you down to become a comedian or a speaker or something. Yeah, yeah. That happened at the... uh... Coincidentally, about the lowest point in my life, about 20 years ago, I had survived uh, 10 years in the radio industry, had worked about 15 years worth of hours and blew it all up all at once out of frustration, uh, quit my radio career, went through a divorce with $62,000 in debt at age 35 Ooh. and uh, sat in the ashes for about a year or so. And on a Friday afternoon in August of 03, had $3 left in my pocket one week and on a Friday afternoon, went to a golf driving range. Went to the farthest tee box because I'm kind of dangerous with a golf club. And uh, a thunderstorm came ripping through. So I was underneath power lines, barefoot in the wet grass, just hitting golf balls. And everybody but me ran from the storm. And I just held the club up and said, go ahead. I dare you. And nothing happened. So I hit all my golf balls in the golf balls of two guys, cowards, who ran from the storm. <laughs> And I couldn't even lift my arms after an hour. And I got to my car and the rain stopped and the sun came out and I just looked up and I just started laughing. I just thought it was hysterically funny. And two days later, I shared that uh, my version of it with a brand new life coach I just started working with. And he's laughing on the other end of the phone. And I'm thinking, my life sucks. You're supposed to be helping me and you're laughing. He goes, I got yep. two questions. He said, are you this open and honest about your life? in general with pretty much anybody i said yeah i said a little self-deprecating but yeah you ever thought of being a motivational speaker or stand-up comedian he said i think you'd be great at both and i'd wanted to do both for most of my life but never had the guts or the knowledge of how to pursue it on his desk at that moment that came in that day's mail was a brochure for a local community college that had an intro to stand-up comedy class that i didn't even know there was such a thing it started wow. two weeks later and I was there and he said, uh -huh. you ever heard of Toastmasters? I go, oh, they kind of help you become a speaker. He goes, well, they give you the tools to craft your stories properly and effectively. Three weeks later, I was in my first Toastmasters meeting. So from, wow. from daring God to, to take <laughs> me down, you know, just trying to be funny, being a smart ass. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, me and God, we're good. You know, we got, I got a great relationship with God, but just in that moment, I just thought it was funny. Go ahead. Yeah. And here I am 17 years later, I did seven years of stand up, and I've been a speaker now for uh, 17 years. Wow, that's crazy. But that's kind of cool. Because it was one of those things that's a funny story. But the thing that picked out was someone saw something in you that you knew, but you needed them to say it to you, so that you could give yourself permission to move forward. Yeah, that there, there is a lot of gold. And if people don't catch that, they're missing a lot. You know, what you feel about yourself is important. So tell us a little bit more about your story, but I didn't want to miss that point because that's huge. Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, it's funny because that was the second time in my life that it happened. Uh, if I go back to when I was about 10 years old and I get a few birthday candles on you, I get that. There was a TV show called WKRP in Cincinnati that came on when I was 10. And it was about a fictional radio station. Yep. And there was a DJ named Dr. Johnny Fever, who I just thought was the most badass human being on the face of the planet. He wore sunglasses indoors. He had shaggy hair, scruff of beard, jeans and T-shirts, played records for a living and talked in a microphone. And I said, someday I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and I started, you know, acting as, as if Jack Canfield talks about that visualization. That's something big I do. I was visualizing when I was 10, picturing my own recording studio and my own setup. And I snagged my dad's 
old ancient tape recorder and I was walking around the house being a DJ. That's nice. And when I was 24 years old, you know, parenting in reality, get a good job with a good company, good benefits, put your head down for 45 years and retire. Well, that was not my path. I barely graduated college. And I just kind of sat there, not quite sure what to do with my life for a couple of years. And a dear friend of mine kept asking me, why didn't you ever try to be on the radio? And when people bug you enough just to say, hey, up yours, I'll do it. You know, like you're going to spite them by actually following yeah. your dream and listening <laughs> to them. Like, fine. So I borrowed four grand from my grandfather in the summer of 92, went to an eight-week broadcast school down near Boston. Didn't see my friend all summer. Got an internship, which means no money, but I got my foot in the door. Right. At a radio station we'd grown up listening to and i drove to his house in september 92 and he goes where the hell have you been i said i was down in boston at my mom's lived at my mom's apartment for the summer i went to broadcast school he goes did you get a job i said well, i got an internship and i told him the station and he was so happy and he was so proud and three weeks later that friend passed away oh my he'd had cancer uh-huh He'd beaten it twice and it just came back real quick and, yeah. and got him. I mean, I, I camped out as a couple of our friends did seven days and nights in his hospital room, camped out with him. And I was there when he passed away and it took me 10 years in radio to get the lesson. When somebody believes in you and you don't, as we already said, it happened again mm -hmm. after that. If you don't believe in yourself, but somebody else does, listen to them because they see something in you that you don't see. And the funniest part of it, coincidentally, both of those people, my life coach and my dear friend, were both named Dan. Oh, wow. For some reason, I don't know what the name Daniel means. If it means messenger, I don't know. But well, I mean, if you go biblical, Daniel would predict he predicted prophecy and stuff. If you're like into the Bible and stuff. So maybe yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of tying in that whole thing there. But yeah. I do, I do agree with you on that. I think sometimes you need other people to confirm with you what it is you're supposed to do, but then you have to take the actions and go forward with it, which is what it seems like you've done. So now you do motivational speaking, you do vision boards. What else do you do? Um, written several books, uh, again, kind of in the personal development field, including one book that was written by a dog. And uh, if ever you write a book, put a really cute dog's face on it. It will outsell everything with your face on it. That's true. I, I discovered that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I also do a lot of coaching with people working, especially with the visualization and vision boards. And I'm starting to do more and more inside of companies, which I'm really excited about. Companies that, that feel that personal development is just as important as professional, you know, especially mm -hmm. now at the time of this conversation, we're 18, 19 months into the pandemic and people are just kind of starting to get back to work and thinking, is this all there is? Like, yeah. I got to do this for another 20 years. So I'm starting to do more and more of people in their professional lives as well, mm -hmm. but with the personal side of it to bring some energy, excitement and understanding their why as to why they're there every week. And in eight major areas of their lives, understanding that all these pieces are working together all the time, propping each other up. It's not just this work-life thing that everybody throws around. Right, right. So I'm starting to do more of that now, which I, I really enjoy. It's, it's amazing to watch people inside of a company who've had a relationship for a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, start to have conversations they've never had before mm -hmm. about some really interesting, cool stuff. No, I love that. I do, because I think a lot of people get caught in that. And I was talking to our friend Kevin on the podcast before this, we get caught into the nine to five, what we're supposed to do, what our family thinks we're supposed to do, this whole circular thing. And 
you have to sometimes even move yourself away. Like we moved away. I used to be from Michigan. I live in Texas. I'm a thousand miles away from where I grew up so that I could become the person I need to be. Not that they're not good people, but they had this thought process of this is what you're supposed to do. And I didn't fit that mold. So yeah, no, I, I definitely yeah. resonate with you on that. Um, so you're now moving into doing more corporate stuff um, mm-hmm. and then coaching. So say someone like, cause the whole purpose of my podcast is this, I've been hitting over a hundred thousand for the past few years. Once I done the trips, did the fun stuff, I'm like, well, you know what? This is great. I want to help other people take their kids to Disney World. I want to help other people fulfill whatever their dream is. So for the people that listen to this, a lot of them are like sales professionals or coaches or business owners starting out. How would you craft if they came to you and said, Steve, I have a dream, but I really don't know what to do. How, where would I start? What would you say to someone like that? First thing is know exactly what you want and know exactly why you want it. And you know, one of the biggest conversations I have with people now is, Steve, my biggest goal, I want to be a really good parent. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Noble goal. Wonderful. That's great. What does that look like for you? Oh, I want to give my kids everything I didn't have. I want to take them on vacations and trips and all this and that and give them the best of everything. And I said, okay. Have you ever asked your kids what's most important to them? What their goal would be? What it would mean for you to be a really good parent? So you might find out that it's just taking one hour a week sitting on the living room floor playing dinosaurs with your kid. And they may think mm-hmm. you're the king of the world, the queen of the world for the mom. So it's to get people to understand what they really want. What they really want is a connection with their kids in that case. Yep. It's not just, you know, oh, I need all this money for this, 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 this. My wife just came back from a trip to Disney with her boss and her boss's family. It's expensive as hell. Yep. <laughs> when, when actually being a great parent could be, like I said, sitting down on the living room floor for an hour a week, some night after dinner and just playing dinosaurs with your kid. And uh, a client I'm actually working with recently said, you know, my, my baby girl's mom and I split up recently and, and his daughter, their daughter just turned five. Well, she mm-hmm. lives with him on the weekends, but with her mom throughout the week. Right. He bought her a kitten for her fifth birthday. She loves the kitten. She feeds it. She cleans the litter box. She plays with it. She does everything for five days. She's missing the kitten. I said, you said your goal was to be a great dad, right? Because yeah, I said, every Wednesday, I want you to take a picture of that kitten, go in your little graphic design program, put a speech bubble above the kitten and have it say something to your daughter and text it to her every Wednesday. Oh, that's good. That's he did good. it the first time. He actually got a video from his daughter, uh, his, his ex, his mm-hmm. daughter's mom, shot a video of her saying how much she misses the kitty. Thank you, kitty, for my message and actually sent him the video. He was just like, emotional as hell. No, that's great. That's what that's I do great. with people. I, and I think, and I love that because I don't think it's always the big moments that are more impacting is yeah. getting to do stuff. Like, so like you mentioned that I went to Hawaii um, this summer and my son got to go with me and we got to go on this really cool boat tour, which is great. Like a Zodiac boat tour, but it mm-hmm. wasn't the fact that we were doing this crazy cool thing experience. I mean, that was cool. It was the fact that I was getting to do that with my 16 year old son. And it's something that he'll remember for the rest of his life, because dad and him got to do something together. And I think making those memories, whether it's that, or go, we go fishing. Sometimes we would go for walks. We just do different things. Or like my little one, she likes to play with dolls. So here I am a grown man, I'm 44. But if she says, daddy, do you want to play? She's seven. Yeah. We're going to play, you know, it's just finding that purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that applies to any part of our lives. I mean, I use the standard life wheel. It's, it's pretty standard, pretty common. If you Google it, you'll see it to help people understand. It's not just work life. You got your career, 
your finances, your physical health, your emotional well-being, what emotions do you feel on a regular basis, your relationships, your ethics, morals, integrity, and values that guide you through all this, your faith and your spirituality, if those are a big part of your life, and your connection to the world in a real way. All these things are working 24-7, and people get scared by that. And they think, oh my gosh, I got to set goals for all these. There's only so many hours in a day. I'm like, relax. They're already working together, and you don't have to give them all equal time. But you got to understand they're all there. If you take better physical care of yourself, you're going to be able to work longer. You work longer, you're going to be able to make more money. And you're also going to have more energy at the end of the day to make your relationships better, have more mm -hmm. conversations, feel more positive emotions when you're at the gym, working out, eating better food, putting better education and sound into your head in the car every day, not listening to talk radio or political news. Yep. Yep. All these things. And then if you're guided by really good, strong ethics and morals, you probably have a good faith or spirituality, believe in a higher power. And you're also going to want to connect with people more. Even in the pandemic, I've got people, my coaching clients, at least three or four times a week, I say, go into Messenger on your phone. There's a little microphone button. You can leave up to a 60-second voice message for somebody. Yep. So once you do that at least three, four or five times a week, pick one person you haven't talked to in a while, call up and say, hey, do you remember the time we did this? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe this happened. Hey, I was thinking about it today. Hope you have a great day. Every single one of my clients reaches out to me and says, People are calling me back saying, how did you know I needed that today? Mm -hmm. The connection is bringing them so much joy and good energy. So all these things, if we pay attention, we can build ourselves a pretty dang incredible little existence here. Yeah. No, it, it's so funny you said that because me and you are on the same page with that. So May is when I started doing my sales coaching. May is when I started, or June is when I started this podcast, just because I had people asking, hey, help me out, help me out. In that voice message, because of the connections law, I literally would go on walks. And like we were talking, Kevin did 75 hard recently. I just finished it. When I was on my walks, I would just look through my messenger and be like, oh, I'm going to leave them a message. And just would just reach out randomly, just talking to them. People yeah. need connection. People need that unity. That's, I think, yeah. so huge. Um, that's why I think groups and stuff are important, you know, and getting around people are important. Um, because it's really not about making money. It's about experiences in life. You need money to get there, but that's why we do it for it. We don't do it. Well, I mean, maybe some people would do it just to make money, but that would be boring to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not one of those people. I'm, no. I'm all about reality and connection and relationships. And, and you know what the funny part is? The money comes because some of my clients who are doing this are calling their clients to lead these messages. Hey, I was thinking about you. They don't mention money. They don't direct them to a website. They just reach out. These people are calling them back saying, oh my gosh, I've been meaning to reach out to you to place another order. Hey, where do I go again for that? Yep. All because they cared enough to reach out to just say, how you doing? I mean, one of my clients doubled her sales last year in a pandemic. She's in a direct marketing company. That's their platform was in-home parties in expos and conferences. Mm -hmm. Couldn't do any of them. She went online. She did virtual. She reached yep. out to people. She left messages. She doubled her sales last year. Yeah, I believe she's number it. one in the company last month. She she dethroned a person who's been queen of the mountain, who is also a sweetheart of a person who sat there and cheered on my client for beating her That's last awesome. month in sales. So I, I just, oh, I love this. Yeah, I absolutely. Well, love connections it. matter. Like I've had a better year with my corporate job than I have had every year. It keeps getting better because of that connection. And just, I think that's what people just need to understand that if people know you care, if you're ethical, if you're moral, and you solve their problem, whatever type of business you have, that's what people want. 
They don't want to be sold. They just want you me to come and say, hey, Steve, I have this. Does this work for you? Great. If not, well, Ryan has something that can help you. And it's simple. Yeah. It's simple. So let's talk a little bit about mindset, because I'm pretty sure you're really big onto that. And you're talking about visualization. So mm-hmm. like, you know, when I was younger, I used to visualize doing different stuff. How do you get people to set up like their vision board or visualizations or stuff like that? What would you encourage people to do? What I start with is the life wheel. And just so they understand that it's not just work. It's not just money. It's not just material things. I mean, the first two vision boards I made about 16 years ago may as well have just been a letter to Santa Claus because my life was entirely crap at the time. I learned about vision boards from the secret. And I'm like, oh, I want stuff because I have, well, nothing. Yep. Yep. We've been there. I've been there. (laughs) We start there with the life wheel. And I said, look, pick one, one year goal for each of these categories, the amount of money you want to make next year. If, if you want to have an advancement in your career, great. What words would you want to use to describe the best version of your relationship a year from now? What emotions do you want to feel most of the next year? What could you do to maybe adjust or improve? Or how can you act upon your level of your ethics and morals? Your spirituality and faith is important to you. How could you deepen that in connection with the world? And all these things Set a one-year goal for each. Now, describe to me what that would look like, feel like, sound like, smell like, be like. Start emotionally connecting to these goals. Not just, well, that might be nice. Why do you want that? Well, because what I have sucks. Okay, that's not good enough. (laughs) You know, we, you know, or, and you can't just say, uh, you know, like most people's resolutions, I want to be happy. I want to be healthy. I want more money. We know how those go. At the end of the year, all you do is just change the year at the top and go, look at that. Next year, I'm all set. It's, uh, it's my resolutions part two. Um, just start thinking about it and, and connect emotionally. And then when it comes to finding the pictures, go online, find magazines, create some if you're graphically inclined. If there's a new home you would love to be in a year from now, if it's somewhere you can get a picture of it, get a picture of it, take it in your graphics program, put your name on the mailbox. Start to really make these things real. If there's a job title you'd love to have, design yourself a business card that has that job title on it. Don't hand it out, but you keep it. Yeah. Put it on your fridge, your bathroom mirror, and start to dial it in and think of the storyline that you're going to weave through this. Think of a story behind every picture. Because I ask people, all right, what's this mean? And then I get them to start talking about it, being conversational as though it already exists Mm -hmm. and tell me all about it. And I say, okay, if you're here now, and you're there a year from now. And you can do longer term goals too, but always be thinking in year long increments. How close could you get, get to it in a year? Yep. What would you have, have to do, do to take steps to get there? Who would you have to know? What would you have to learn? What education and certification would you have to go for? What, um, you know, what path would you take to get there? Like if you were there, what would you have had to do and start working backwards? Mm-hmm. No, that's brilliant. There. So we just like start it. taking it. You know, I, I equate this to like an old wooden roller coaster. Your goal is the top of the first hill. Mm-hmm. You can't cheat. You can't speed it up. You can't skip steps. You got to crawl in there, pull down the bar, hope to tighten the bolts. Yep. You're safe. <laughs> click, 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 click. You can't make it any faster. You have to do every single little baby step to get over the top. When you do the last click, when you achieve the top and you look over, if you're in the front car, your eyes get big. You're staring out at this big, exciting ride that you couldn't stop if you tried. Celebrate mm-hmm. the hell out of it. And when you get to the end of it, if you really dug the feeling, what's the first thing you want to do? 
get on again. again. All right, yep. you set your next goal. Now, here's one thing that I always add to that. You get back in line, you go on again. You look around, you find somebody that's as scared and wide out as you are the first time you did it and say, hey, is this your first time on this ride? Is this your first time setting a goal this big? Tell you what, come sit next to me. I'll tell you all about it on the way up. I love that. We'll I get love there that. together. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. That I like that whole life thing. Cause like you, you know, when I first started doing this type of stuff, I was looking like, well, I didn't have anything. So I want this, 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 and this. And now it's just, it's all changed. And a buddy of mine, and it kind of goes with this, challenged me with this. He goes, so what I want you to do is write 10 things about you that you like, or that are good. And as a guy, mm -hmm. I'm sitting here going, I can tell you, Steve, what I think is great about you. I can tell my wife, my kids, but so I literally did this on my whiteboard at work, the little white one. I wrote 10 things that I liked about myself. So I had to see them every day just to kind of go a little bit deeper because, you know, I've hit the sales goals. I've won the awards. That's not exciting to me anymore. Seeing people win is exciting to me now. So yeah, no, I love that whole, the whole aspect of it, faith, connection, what you want to do with your family, what you want to do with your health and just having that reverse engineer back. Yep. I think that's brilliant. So you're also a keynote speaker. I saw that on your website and stuff. Yeah. Um, have you been traveling a lot lately or has that been more virtual with everything going on or how's that been it's, going? It's been virtual now for, well, actually almost two years since I traveled uh, to speak. It's been mostly virtual, but it's funny because I did an event in with one of my favorite speaking clients in the world there in Arizona mm -hmm. uh, a week and a half ago. And here I was sitting in my recording studio, dressing nicely from the waist up, having a ball communicating. And actually I was teaching them visualization, which was a blast so much so that I got invited back in January nice. to do a more in-depth visualization with them. So I, I embrace the virtually. This does not bother me at all. Uh, I really miss being on stage live. Yeah. It's really starting do. to open up. Like I'm going to a buddy of mine named George's Bryant's uh, retreat mastermind group in October. So there's starting to be some are starting to open up when people feel comfortable. You know, I'm not, I mean, some people want to do it in person. Some don't yet. That's cool. I'm cool yeah. with that. But yeah, I, I think virtual is good. It's just not as connecting. You don't get the feel of the audience as much or the excitement or the, the pop. But um, no, I think it's a great thing. So we talked a little bit about mindset. We talked about vision boards. What else am I missing here? Because like, I know you've been coaching people for a while. What, what other aspects would people who are just starting out need to uh, move forward or get closer to their goals and visions? Biggest thing is actually an exercise I've been doing every single, well, not every single, 98 point something percent of mornings for the past nine and a half years is having daily gratitudes. And mm -hmm. I love what you said about identifying the things you, you really like or love or respect or appreciate about yourself. What I do with the gratitude is every morning, I've, I've got a, a gratitude journal, a blank journal, and I keep it under the back of my laptop. So every morning when I get to my desk, I reach behind there, I pull out the journal and I write down good stuff in the date. And I write one, two, three. In a less than a line each, I describe my three favorite moments from the previous day. And you oh, can't broad brush stuff. You can't say, hey, you know, I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my family. Yeah. Because after 10 days, you're like, I'm thankful for my job. I'm th you know, it, it becomes rote and it becomes forced. Worthless. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, I said, look, Think of the favorite moments you had. Somebody held the door for you. You got to hold the door for someone. You made someone laugh. You rescued a shopping cart before on a windy day. It dented someone's car. <laughs> there we go. Yep. You, that's one of my favorite games in the world. Acts of kindness, a shopping cart rodeo. I love yep. that. But you write it in less than a line 
niche because some people would get bogged down. The weirder, the better I found. Mm -hmm. But you describe it in such a way that five years from now, if you read that, you can relive it and refeel it. And you stack those things up. I mean, 2020 is a year with an asterisk that most people think is a scratch and sniff pile of dog crap. I wrote down just under one thousand good moments last year i can't write off the year as a bad year was it right. tough yeah i took about a 90 percent hit i own two event-based businesses mm -hmm. took a huge hit last year but i wrote down close to a thousand reasons why last year was a really good year for me because awesome. of what it allowed me to do it bounced my business off the wall a different way i don't like to use the word pivot because other people use it mm -hmm. i bounce things off the wall a different way and somebody said one time well steve i don't have time for that gratitude crap how much time do you think it takes? Well, to think up three things a day, it takes a lot of time. So I filmed myself the following morning doing it. It took me 38 seconds Yeah, from start yeah. to finish. I go, you have time. So that's been one of the biggest things that if when things are bad or I'm struggling or I'm down or, you know, I lost my dad three years ago, the morning after I lost my dad, one of my gratitudes was I got to be there holding my dad's hand when he passed mm -hmm. away. You find the good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was the worst day of my life. Right. Yeah. But even in that, I had something I was grateful for. And on, on the regular average day for most of us, we got plenty. And, and one thing I'll add to your list of things you like about yourself, because that's kind of an exercise I do with people. I encourage them to find one thing a day. And in the oh, first nice. thing, if there's nothing you like, I said, you look at yourself head to toe in the mirror. And if you look down and go, well, hell, at least your socks match. <laughs> There that's you go. great. That's great. <laughs> but the next day you can't do the sock thing again. You got to find right. something else. And right. it's got to be different every day. And I've had some people share some really interesting things with me like, Steve, okay, I ran out of things. I did the sock thing. I did, you know, my eyebrows match. And they started to say, I really like my eyes, or mm -hmm. I really like my smile, or I really like this, or my ears are perfectly proportionate to my head. Great. Okay. Wherever that came from. <laughs> But I just love that it's something different every day. So it becomes a muscle like working out. I mean, you did 75 mm -hmm. hard twice. Yep. You know the power of a workout, what it can do for you. Well, I like to have people do workouts with their brain and their heart, yep. especially about themselves. Because I, I was one of the most self-deprecating people on the planet. And our uh, Chris Whitehead and I have been running, Chris is huge in, in Apex with the coaches at executive level. Chris and I have been running together for about 11 years and I got boot prints on my body in places. My doctor only gets to see once a year because mm -hmm. Chris used to catch me being self-deprecating on stage in front of audiences. I was thinking I was being funny and he pulled me aside one day. As soon as I got off stage, he goes, brother, I don't ever want to hear you talk about yourself like that again. He goes, you're killing yourself because you're in a, I said, I'm being funny. He goes, you're in a voice. Doesn't know that. It doesn't know you're kidding. Right. I'm huge on that with my clients. If I hear them bashing themselves, call me now. We're going to get, we're going to do this right now. Don't you ever let me see you talking about yourself like that again. I think you're great. And I think it's time you think you're great too. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think that sometimes you need a friend, like you mentioned with Chris, that just said, hey, you know what, Steve, you need to fix that. That's not you. And then mm. it made you help now. So what his ability to say, hey, to you, now you've put that into thousands of people. So that's great. That's great. Cause yeah, I'm from up North. I'm from Michigan and like we self deprivation is normal. So having to flip the script on that has been mm. harder, you know, like guys up there, if they like each other, like, Oh, you're an idiot or you're a fat, you know, just stupid stuff. And <laughs> you're right. The subconscious doesn't catch that. You're yeah. not really saying that. Yeah. 
So that, that's amazing. So how important to you are groups? Because like, I know you mentioned Apex. I know some people in Apex. I know people in Aria, different groups. How has that impacted your life and helped you? Has it helped you level up or give us a little bit more on that? I think it's great. Uh, being a part of a group where you are like-minded, like-hearted, um, core values are everything to me. Uh, if you've read Thomas Keenan's book, uh, Un-F Yourself or Un-F mm-hmm. Your Business, uh, about your core values. Um, if you can surround yourself and immerse yourself in a community where the people share the same basic core values, they're there for the same reason. They're building up, not tearing down because there's plenty of those places out there in social yep. media anyway. I think that is the greatest investment you can ever make is even to in- spend your time in a group like that, in, whether it be an online community or face-to-face or a group or whatever. For seven years, I was part of the Boston comedy community and tribe. Mm-hmm. Until I finally decided there's a lot of alcohol and drug abuse here. There's a lot of depression and mental illness. This is not a happy tribe. This is not serving me. Right. And I bailed out of that. And then I started hanging more with National Speakers Association, being part of that tribe, which works well for me. Uh, Been part of Apex since May 4th. That has been incredibly well for me. This is the greatest tribe I've ever been a part of. I haven't had a drop of alcohol since the day I joined Apex. Mm -hmm. Not that it was an issue. But I did enjoy a tall ass rum and coke every night, pretty much, you know, I've been there after dinner. Yep, I did. And I said, you know, I'm part of this tribe of people. I was reading Thomas's book. That was the first one I read after I joined Apex. My core values are up on my wall. And I tell you what, I've never leveled up as much as I have by being around a group of people like this. I have my own social media group called Vision Board Mastery. The people Mm -hmm. who hang out there, I love coaching them. I love having conversations with them. They don't pay me. They're not my clients. Some of them become my clients, but it's a place where I can go and impart the wisdom with things I've learned in every other group I've been a part of and and how to get everybody to be respectful and have a vision for what they want the group to be like. I can set the rules, but I want to encourage people to not only play inside those rules, but be a big part of the community and helping it to grow. Mm -hmm. And and I just love being part of that. Um, I had to get rid of a lot of people Mm -hmm. out of my life and out of my phone. About five years ago, I sat in a parking lot at 20 minutes between meetings. And I used to love, like we said, connection, reach out to people. Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. Scrolling through my phone going, nope, 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 nope. Holy crap. Why are these people still on my phone? I deleted 60% of my list in 10 minutes. Wow. And never looked back. Greatest thing I ever did uh, to my phone Mm -hmm. was, was have it lose that dead weight. Well, and you said a bunch of really good things there. So first, I'm not in Apex, but I have a lot of friends that are in Apex. Mm-hmm. And of the 30, I think this is going to be episode 32. I'm going to say I think seven of them are Apex members because they have, like you mentioned, the core values. They're honorable. They're integrous. They take care of stuff. They do what they do. I can like, I see it in your whole group. So, I mean, that's why I keep having people from your group come in because I'm like, well, crap, they're bringing great value. But I think your group's important. But the thing you said there about sometimes you have to let people go that don't serve you. That is super hard. But I commend you for that because a lot of people won't do that. And I've learned in my life recently, even um, I was always reaching out, being the guy to help people out. And I finally just said, wait a minute, this is only a one way street. I'm Mm -hmm. only helping them and I can only carry them so long. I need to have people that speak back into my life that we can level up together. Not that I don't want to help people, but sometimes you have to let stuff go. Some stuff can come to you. So I think that's great. I, I, I definitely, definitely commend you on that. Um, 
you also mentioned faith being an important thing. And, and I'm definitely a man of faith. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I believe in that. And, you know, <clears throat> that type of stuff. How important to you? Because I've heard you mention it's one of your key principles, whatever your faith is. How important to you is that in the aspect of life? Um, you know, I've, I was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. And for various reasons, we had some, you know, the issues with the church did impact my community in three different locations. So I eventually, one day, I think in my early to mid thirties, I looked at God and said, you and me, we're good. But as far as this whole, all these people you left in charge, not so much. Yeah. And that was the day that I let go of everything I had learned. And I just did my best to live by the principle, the basic, most basic principles, love on people, respect people, you know, treat others as you wish to be treated. All the basic tenets of it all. Mm-hmm. It actually made me a better human being. I believe because, you know, we, we started this acts of kindness mission called beach bum philanthropy. And every day, my family and I, we each have to commit an act of kindness and it raised our game so much. And and there's so many times and so many things and so many moments each day where I look up and I go, all right, thanks for, you know, you had a hand in that. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, we lost my dad three years ago. So I I still talk to him too. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other day I was at the grocery store and I was walking around. I just come from the gym and I reached into my pocket for something for my phone or something to pull my phone out. And I walked around the store. I got to the cash register. I go, Oh my gosh, I got to go back over here to this part. I'm walking up the aisle. I go, what's that on the floor? It's my debit card. Oh, wow. And I just reached down and grabbed it. And I looked up and I went, thank you. Yep. So see, it's those moments like that you know, I don't go to church on Sunday. Like my dad used to say, he goes, hell, if I walked into a church, the bell would fall out of the tower. God <laughs> would be shocked. But as far as being a good human and being a good Christian, which I consider myself a Christian, yep. um, that those moments are important every day. And I, agree. And I, I talk to God all the time. I mean, I don't even think I own a Bible anymore. And some people say, you need to read. No, I don't. I need to be a really, really good human being and leave as many situations a day better than I can find them and do no harm. Mm-hmm. I yep. said, until God tells me different, that's what I'm going to keep doing. And it's just been amazing. There's moments like that. Ugh, too many to, to even try to remember But I was just, you know, people call them God winks mm-hmm. and I'll just look up and I'll go, thank you. Score yourself an assist at the credits at the end <laughs> of the day. You, <laughs> you just saved my butt. <laughs> no, no. I love, I love that. So like I grew up in the church and just like was always in that structure and up until recently, um, you know, we go sometimes, but it's more like what you mentioned, you know, loving people and people, I think, just get it construed because it goes, well, love your neighbor. I should love yourself. Well, they missed that one little part. You got to love yourself first. So you got to learn how to love yourself so that you actually can love others. So yeah. I love that. I love the whole acts of kindness and everything there. We're not done, but I always like to do it more in the middle. Where can people find you if they want to reach out and say, hey, Steve, give me some help. Where can they look for you or find you online? Yeah, nice and easy. You can find me all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, under my name, Steve Gamlin. Uh, or you can go to my website, motivationalfirewood.com and get some cool st- stuff uh, there as well. Now, that is awesome. So let's talk a little bit more. So you were a comedian for a little bit mm-hmm. as well. So you're kind of not, not, now you move more into the motivational speaking. Do you still do like some comedy stuff with that or just go and do comedy, like stand up, like at a place or? Uh, I haven't done, I haven't done a single stand-up show since around 2010 or 2011. So it's been about 10 years since I left doing that. But what I did actually, the biggest reason I, I was tired of kind of the lifestyle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of just, it was, just, it's a down, 
industry. It's it's just dangerous to be around a lot of people with that mindset a lot. Mm-hmm. And somebody came up to me one time and said, hey, Steve, we saw you at the club. We really love your stuff. Got a question for you, though. I'm like, yeah, what's up? What if the female CEO of one of your corporate clients who hired you to come in and paid you a whole bunch of money to be part of the event came to a comedy club and saw your closing bit, which was a song parody called the Viagra song to the tune of Queens. We will rock you. <laughs> yep. What would happen? And I said, you know, you never thought of that. Mm-hmm. And that was probably two weeks before I quit doing comedy. And there were 12 videos online of my stand-up act from a show in December of 2006. It was a phenomenal show. So I cut all the clips up. The Viagra song had 34 and a half thousand views on YouTube. And I hovered my finger over the button and I deleted every single one of them and they mm-hmm. are gone. And it was the still, I still say it was the best decision I ever made because it was a mind shift. It was who am I really? Mm-hmm. Not just here's who Steve is. He's a really good guy. He's ethical in this with a little asterisk going. But if you see him in a comedy club, he's a dirt bag. Not that I was, I was not a dirty comedian, but that would be the perception. Perception is reality. I got you. Here's my lane. And so I just took the cleanest of the humor and I brought it into my speaking. And there's a lot of humor in all the keynotes I give. I mean, I I joked, I said, it's too bad my dad wasn't there alive. He would have loved the eulogy we gave him. It was almost a roast. And everybody, even the priest was like ripping on him and we're like, wow, he really knew dad. Because that's where I got my sense of humor from was my dad. So I bring humor into everything and here's how, how things like this work in this amazing universe. Other speakers now pay me very nicely mm-hmm. to make their material funnier. Yeah. So I took everything I learned in seven years of stand up that was not a waste. It was all the mechanics. And I walk around with my toolbox and I help other speakers make their stuff funnier. I had one of my clients reach out to me after 10 o'clock last night to craft a new opening line with her. And we sat there on the phone and I was barely awake. <laughs> and this morning I typed her, I go, I hope the hell that made sense last night. She goes, it was gold. That's awesome. Okay, great. And I'm happy doing that. Mm-hmm. It's so, what? it's it's easy for me. But you mentioned something. You said, I came to the point where I had to make that shift. And for lack of better terms, you burned the ship. Yeah. You said, okay, I'm going this way. Not that this didn't serve me for that time, but no. now this is where I'm going. This is how I want to change stuff. And so, yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. No. So last question. I always like to just ask this. If um, say they only hear this part of the podcast, we want them to hear everything, but they just hear this part of the podcast. What words of wisdom would you impart to my listeners? One of my favorite questions in the world, because it helps me to remember very fondly, one of my favorite people ever in my life, uh, my grandfather, who never said the words. He was a very simple man. He was a carpenter, a finished carpenter and a cabinet maker his whole life. He would leave at least one situation a day better than he found it. And and the beauty of that was he wanted no praise. He wanted no credit. He just did it because it was the right thing to do. And if he drove past your house and he goes, oh, my gosh, that storm knocked down a branch and it broke a picket on Joe's fence. He would go home, get his tape measure and his little stubby pencil. He'd put it on his ear. He'd go measure the picket. He'd go back to his workshop at home, make a new one, paint it if he had the right color go back and put it on your house. Even if you weren't home, Mm -hmm. if you were a neighbor, if you were a friend, he would do this and you'd come home. You'd never even know that Al Dion had been there. You would just know that your fence was fixed. Wow. That was my grandfather. So I try to do that 
as often as possible and as anonymously as possible. You never see me doing a selfie going, hey, look, I'm feeding a homeless right, person. Right, Yep. All that. That Ooh. irks me. I'm with you. If you're going <laughs> to do acts of kindness, if you're going to help people, which I believe you should, yep. don't try to do it to get credit for it. Do because it's right. the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. And there are ways to do it. You can do it in an educational way, but you don't go, you know, yeah. doing that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the lesson. If you can just look at one situation, just figure out where you are at one point every day and look around and go, what can I do here to improve this situation? It might just be standing there holding the door for a line of people going into a building. And, and I use humor with everything. And I have people be walking past going, we can hold that door. I go, no, one, two, three, six more people. I can put out a tip jar. Keep on walking. <laughs> That's awesome. You uh, know, I'm laughing. They're laughing. I don't know how their day was going up till then, but guaranteed when they smiling. come out of that building yep. and see me still holding the door, they're going to be laughing and I'm going to be laughing. So rock on. That is perfect. Well, <laughs> thank you again, Steve, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, and everyone who's been listening, thank you again for listening to the 150K podcast where we take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Again, I'm your host, Joe Graham. Please like, share, and send this message to anyone that you feel could benefit from it. And until next time, keep rocking it. Thank you so much.